listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. Uh, people have asked over and over again, was it a good time off? Uh, it was phenomenal, I will tell you. Uh, my family and I, we went on sabbatical. I've learned a lesson where I'm probably not going to trek with a whole bunch of kids in a 22-foot RV for three weeks. That's a lot. You learn things about people, you know? It's when it's like, that's my kid, but it's also another person doing something wild. And so... Uh, it was great. Uh, it was very refreshing, man. We swam like crazy people, and Kai and I put those kids down, and we just sit and visit with each other. It was great for Kaya and I to be able to spend time together. So there was a vacation element, but uh, we didn't miss church for one week. Um, we went to different churches wherever we were at. We even traveled to go to certain churches, and uh, here's the reason why. I eat what I'm cooking. I'm telling you, you need to be in the house of God. You need to be in the house of God even when you're on vacation. Jesus died to build something, and it's his church. And so we went and worshiped. I can't tell you. It's so weird, isn't it, to be just Joe Christian, Joe Congregation going in there, just waving at Jesus. It was wonderful. And so I got to spiritually recharge. Kind of I prayed and talked about the Lord and really received a lot of things that I hope in the course of this month I can, I can show you a little bit of it. You know, this series is called Church in the Wild. And in some of our conversation, we were just talking about how we attend a, a and lead a a wild church. Like from the beginning, we were just we were just wild. I mean, some of the things that we've done, the risks that we, we've taken, it, it feels like the movie Back to the Future where Doc's taking the two things together, getting struck by lightning. Like that's a picture of my entire ministry. And, and we're wild and we're daring. And if you're new to New Chapel, if you don't know the vision of the house, I want to make it very clear. We say it this way. We're for people. Like we're for you. We're for people to connect with God and to be raised to new life in Christ. Like, we want you to connect with God, and I had that at my church when I was growing up, but it was kind of like connect with God and get baptized, and they should have just held us under because that's all they were going to be talking about, you know? No, we want you to connect with God, but be raised to new life in Christ, yeah? And so the way that we articulate all of that as a church is in four different statements. Maybe you want to jot these down, especially if you haven't heard these before. We want you to know God. Not just know about God, not know how to go through church and, you know, stand up, sit down, turn around, you know, go through the ritual. I want you to know him. And he's a personal God. The way that he, he brokers this connection with mankind is through his only son, Jesus. So we want you to know him. And again, I don't want you just to stay there. Salvation is massive. We have nothing without the blood, with the cross, the, the redemption that Jesus gives us for sure. But God has more in this life. He wants you to find freedom. Freedom from what, Pastor Joe? Your issues. And we, we've all got issues. You've got a past. I, I want you to overcome your past, your regrets, and, and some of those insecurities that gnaw. We all have issues. You say, Pastor Joe, I don't have any issues. Listen, bub, that's your issue. You don't think you have any issues. You know what I mean? Anybody else know that guy? Maybe related? I don't know. And so you need freedom in your life, and God wants to bring it to you. Then we want you to, yes, be free, but I think that when you're free, you're going to be able to see things clearer and that's where you're going to be able to discover purpose. And notice it's discover purpose, not manufacture it. This isn't self-helpy or just positive thinking. God has a plan for your life. And when you begin to see that he, he called you to, 
do something in this world and that you can't do it just by yourself. Sir, listen to me. You're not just called to, to do your little job and leave the office and go home and be with your four no more. No, the call on your life is so big that you cannot complete it by yourself. All of a sudden, you'll become aware that God wants to use every bit of me, my past, my present, and he wants to leverage my future to make a difference. And, and I will tell you, that is the wild difference between us and so many other evangelical churches. Salvation is massive. Where would we be? But God has a spiritual journey that he wants to take us on where those people that are warming pews, so to speak, getting those glutes warmed up, you know, like they get up and they find out who they are in Christ and go tell the good news. As you go, yes, that's the idea in a nutshell. And so we live in a wild, wild church, but we live in a wild west right now, a wild world, a world that's in decay. Anybody else notice a little bit of a cultural shift in the last year and a half? How about this? It's fundamentally different than it's ever been. How many of y'all just want 2005 back? Like, I was, that was good. Easy sailing. I'd take creed for all of that. I mean, <laughs> well, let's not push it, but here's what I'm trying to say, is that this world is wild. I say it this way, that the world's done lost its mind, and it has. There's a shift that's happening, but I have a hard time believing. I, I'm just trying to be aware of the presence of God. Right? Like, God, what are you doing? He's not causing all that sinfulness. He's not calling these, causing these people to make these rash decisions. He's not causing this, this small minority, a loud minority, but, but a small minority, to say these things. God must be doing something else. What are we missing? Because I see a cultural shift. Where's the shift? Where, where's the change that's actually happening, and is there a biblical pattern to this? Can, can we get a grasp on this and understand it? I had you turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 3. Luke uh, was a physician. He's a doctor. He has a very scientific method way of explaining things, like very astute person. He's also a big historian. But as I read this, if you think it's just history, you'll miss the context that he's trying to bring forward. Luke, chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 1. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor in Judea. Herod, Antipas, was ruler of Galilee. This was the guy that uh, Jesus was sent to, and he made fun of Jesus and sent him back to Pontius Pilate, ultimately to be sentenced to death. His brother was Philip. It goes on. Uh, Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Cephas were the high priests. Pause for a second. Y'all look at me. The Bible doesn't talk about two high priests. It talks about one high priest, so you can see religion and, and, and corruption has infiltrated the people of God. And they're now, this would have been absolute blasphemy to a holy Jew. They're looking at two high priests, and it's just, it's, it's not what it was meant to be. And so they were the high priests, and at this time, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Now, as you read through that list, especially at the beginning, it almost sounds like he's just giving you history. Like, this is where we're at. If you want to date this thing, X marks the spot. You know, that's not what he's doing. He's describing the Caesar of Rome that oppressed Christians. It was his government that executed Christ. It's talking about Pontius Pilate. Well, there's a wish-washy dude. He can try to brand himself as whatever politician he is. He's going to cave to the crowd. It's talking about Herod Antipas, his brother. I mean, 
This is like, talk about the evil twins. I mean, it's just, it's bad stuff. And so what Luke is trying to do is he's trying to say, culture and government and even the church, if you will, the, the people of God, there's corruption in the ranks. In fact, if, if you were to be God, I, I just, as I look at this, there would be nothing in that list of people and what was going on in society that would make you think, okay, yeah, let's, let's have a real big shift in history. Look at, look at the great work that these guys are doing. They legalized immorality. Hey, not everything that's legal is right. There's a lot of things that are legal that are jacked. There's a lot of things that are illegal that, well, praise God, I got to move on. I'm already on a list. I got to stop. None of these men were godly. And when it talks about Rome, it is really talking about Israel at the same time because Israel was occupied territory by Rome. And so they're under subject of all of this. And it's saying, it's saying that these people have nothing to contribute. But yet Luke shows us that at the time of ungodly political leaders, national chaos, governmental corruption, at a time of financial loss. You know, the Bible says that God hates unjust weights and measures. I could preach for the rest of the time that we have just on that. The moral decay, the emotional angst that good and godly people feel when they watch the decay happening in culture. In the midst of all of that, Luke says that John the Baptist at that time, at that time, the word of the Lord came to him. What? That blow your mind, doesn't it? You know, it's easy for a lot of us to get caught up in, in having the figure solve the problem. I'm sure that people looked at some of these people. I'm sure they had campaign promises, if you will. And you look for the solution to happen in the way you thought it would happen, and I felt guilty to that. God, it's supposed to go this way. Why is it not going this way? When is it going to happen, God? And you have to realize that it's not the things that are going on in culture. It's not the leaders that are legislating or decreeing things that are going to make the shift happen in this world. Write it down. History has never shifted on the words of man. History only shifts on the word of God. That's where you'll see the shift. Sure, men of God might speak God's word, but listen to me. It's not going to be an elected official that takes care of all of this stuff. It's going to be the word of God. Say amen, somebody. Now, this is a message from God, like the word of the Lord comes to John the Baptist. And even the fact that this word is coming to John the Baptist is a huge deal. Here's why. There has been silence from heaven for 400 years. Remember that time, 400, underscore that. From Malachi to Matthew, there's been no prophet. There's been no words from God. There's been no preacher going out. It's been silence from heaven. This is a shift already, just the fact that he's receiving the word of the Lord. But I have a question for you. Have you ever gone through a season where you can't hear God? It's like, I asked for this thing. I thought this was going to happen. God, where are you? Gosh, I remember some of the hardship that Kai and I faced a couple years ago. This tenant that we had was giving us trouble here at the church. It was just, it was heart-wrenching. And God gave us those words. We hadn't heard direction words, like we've been in communion with God, but we hadn't got direction in what we were supposed to do. And it was the, that so much peace comes when you hear, thus saith the Lord. 
Have you ever gone through a season where you've needed a word, you've needed direction, and you're, you're, you're trying to listen? You know that you have promises from God. It's a polarizing contrast, isn't it? You know he's good. You know you have promises. What are you saying? What do you want me to do? I feel like I'm just guessing in all of this. And in this narrative in Luke, there's been 400 years of that. Corruption has gone into all the mountains of influence in the world at that time. What do you do when God is silent? Good advice, go back to the last thing you heard. That's good advice. In fact, uh, though there are old promises you may have forgotten, God hears all of those. If you read the narrative of John the Baptist, um, he's a phenomenal figure, obviously, but his dad, uh, during while he was being conceived and, and born, his dad had this incredible encounter. So his name was Zechariah, and he goes into the temple to pray. The Bible says he was burning incense, the symbolic language, he was praying. And the Bible says that an angel shows up to Zechariah and says, hey, bub, uh, you're going to have a baby. Congratulations. He says, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, you prayed for a, for a child. You will be having a baby. And Zechariah's like, look, I'm old. My wife's old. We ain't having no baby. Now, that's West Virginia, but that's exactly what he conveyed to that angel. And the angel says, no, listen, God has heard your prayer. Listen to me, Christian. The prayers of the saints never die. There's no distance in prayer physically, but there's no distance in time. Some of you, in fact, I'll tell you by the Spirit of God, it'll resonate with one person. Your grandma's been dead for years, went home to be with Jesus, but your grandma was a praying woman. And some of the death experiences you had in this room, you know what I'm talking about. You should have died. But the prayers that your grandma prayed when she was alive, God honored those prayers. That resonates with one person in this room. God stopped the whole service to let you know that. You understand me? God loves you. He's for you. God is for you. God is for you. While we're at it. There's a woman in compromise because you want to rush it. You can't do that. That's not how it works. You have to be patient and trust God through the process. You are paper thin from breakthrough, but you have to trust God. Don't compromise. It will mess up your life. That's all. Okay. Praise the Lord. So here's what I'm talking about. is the fact that Zechariah heard this, this, this angel say, you're going to have a kid, and it was proof that, that, that the Spirit of God had heard those prayers and he was going to bring it to pass. Now listen, there's some prayers you may have prayed that you have forgotten about. Listen to me, God hasn't forgotten. He heard your prayer, and God wants to bring the answer to that prayer into your life suddenly. Amen, somebody? Hey, look at your neighbor. Let's just visit Southern Church for a second. Look at your neighbor and say, suddenly. suddenly. Kind of feels good. Don't you wish we were a little bit more nice? Okay. <laughs> suddenly. Say suddenly to your second choice. Say suddenly. <laughs> Guys, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a shift. And what's the evidence that God is performing some, some historical, we would say spiritual, divine shift in the world? What can we look at? Notice the word of God comes to John in the most unlikely place. We already said culture was awful, but it's also John himself. John is not himself staying at the Ritz-Carlton. 
John is not staying in a nice neighborhood. He's not wearing fine clothes. Levi's would be bougie-bougie for John. John's wearing like camel hair, sackcloth. I mean, like rough-looking dude. You, we, he would not be approved to work in kids' ministry. Okay, like just John's rough. And he's living in the wilderness. He's isolated so that he can hear God and no one else can talk to him. So he can be solely in the presence of God in the midst of the wilderness. And, and, and you look through the history of the Bible. Whenever God wants to speak to his kids something important, he separates them out and gets them into that place, that wilderness spot. I'm not talking about hardship and damaging things. I'm talking about you getting away from this world, and it's so loud, isn't it? It's just in your face. You look at Abraham. Abraham hears the voice of God in Ur of the Chaldees, which we're related now, so I guess we're all from there now. That's where Brando's from. I'm serious. He's, you're, you're Chaldean. This is Iraq. I love New Chapel because we look like the United Nations, everybody, but... So Abraham is coming. He looked exactly like Brando, except he had a beard and hair on top of his head. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Abraham's in the wilderness. God says, get up and go to a land. I'll show you. You know what Abraham does? My gosh, I'm going to get. He takes off. In the wilderness, he hears God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all of their stories have stories of wilderness, seasons, separated, isolated. God, where are you? And God wants to speak in that still, small voice. You will hear God when there's no other voices around to take your attention away. We have so many things vying for our attention, don't we? Social media. I mean, even the people I agree with, it's kind of a lot sometimes. You know, like, okay. Settle down, you know? I mean, that's a lot. It's, it's exhausting, okay? And I agree with them. That's a lot. But then there's, like, the people that call themselves influencers. Oh, Lord. Don't try to get baptized in New Chapel if you're an influencer. I might do it like they did back at my old church, you know what I'm saying? But the people, they, 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 they vie for your attention to try to... And then you've got TV and radio, and, and everybody's getting more tribal. They're getting, like, synced into just their thing. Like, it's just... Things are so loud. Sometimes it's hard to break away and say, God, what are you saying? So, so, so what's the shift? Some of it has to do with wilderness. Some of it has to do with God not taking into account the fact that culture might be doing something different. It doesn't dictate what God is going to be doing. But, but Jesus said to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, and by the way, that was the church that had good works but had lost the heart to do it all. He says, go back and do your first works over again. Can I put it this way? I think that this, this shift that God is trying to produce for the church, one of the big hallmarks of it is going to be, guys, you need to go back to the basics. We, we need to turn around. Can I use a Bible word for you? It's the word repent. Boy, that's not going to build a church, but it's, it's going to build you. Got to, got to, we have to repent. We have to change what we're doing and do things in a different way. We have to go back to the heart of God, go back where we're seeking the voice of God. Do you all remember when you first got saved? Yeah. Oh, God, you could do anything. Nothing's impossible with God. And then now, I mean, 10 years down the road, you get a big bill. You're like, oh, Lord, no. why did you withdraw your presence from me? It's like, we got to get back to where God can do anything, and you can take on hell with a squirt gun. You know what I'm talking about? That's, we got to build that back in us, everybody. So in this narrative... 
There's a shift coming that, that'll make things so they're never the same. John the Baptist is going to show up in Luke 3, and, 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 and then in the rest of Luke, you'll read about Jesus coming, and there's this fundamental shift in culture and in the world, this seed cult of Judaism called the way, later called Christianity, begins to take hold, and of course, God's got people everywhere now. And there's a shift. It's phenomenal. But Luke says that it's been talked about for longer than just now. Luke 3, I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. We read that. And he went into all the region around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written, where? Isaiah. As it is written, the book of the words Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in thee, say it with me, the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah was prophesying about a standard that did not exist 4,000 years ago, but did exist at the time of John the Baptist. What are you talking about? When a king would want to go have diplomatic relationships personally with another king, they would send scouts out to make sure that there was safe passage. There'd be robbers, things like that, and there had to be a road. We need a safe way to get there. We're not just going to go travel out by the way that the messengers came. We need to make sure this is right. If it was already a road there, they would take the road, and they'd get to where they needed to be. But oftentimes in antiquity, there wasn't. And so sometimes it would take a long time, even years, to, to forge and foster and create and trailblaze and march off the map and create a road for the king to be able to go on, to be able to go in and have more relations. Now listen to me. The Bible says for us, the body of Christ, we are called to prepare the way for the king. That's on you. That is both you being a person who has your eyes open to people that are going through things so you can love on them, talk to them about Jesus. It's you welcoming people into this house. It's, it's us. We prepare the way. Yes, is it excellent services? Yeah, but it's, the idea with everything that we do, I need none of this. I could sit way back where I came from at Rusty Nail Community Church, sitting on some hard pew. We could be singing Rock of Ages like it's new, and I'd be fine. Why do we do any of this? For people to connect with God, right? So we have to prepare the way for the Lord. How? Fill up this house. Get people born again. Get people so they can find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wow. Now, this is our responsibility, and we have to look at it as such. It continues on. Prepare the way of the Lord, verse 4. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled. This is God saying to you, Christian, that the low points in your life, can I put it this way? The depressed areas. God Almighty wants to lift that up level grade. I can't do it, Pastor Joe. I can't muster. God's not asking you to do something you can't. You take a step towards him and trust towards him, and God Almighty will fill the gap. You think that it's going to come later. You think that it's going to look completely different when you're more established or when certain things in your life get lined up. Can I tell you something? The outward experience that you're going through may have nothing to do with what you're dealing with emotionally. God wants to help you out of that pit, out of that valley now, and, and, and it's in the place, the valley you're in, that place that God wants to show his goodness and fulfillment and provision for you. Say amen, somebody. So it says the valley should be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. Anybody else besides me have obstacles in your life? Got big dreams that you want to see God bring to pass, but there's just, the landscape is 
You know how to traverse it. You, I, I don't know. I don't know how to climb. Am I going to have to get on belay? I have no idea. You know, like, we're going to go around it. Are we going to go on a hike? What if we tried something different? What if we mark 16, 15, this, uh, 16, 14, this thing? What if we began to speak God's promises over that mountain? What if we begin to speak his promise and watch God take that whole thing and cast it into the sea and make it level playing field and you walk across? Stop trying to climb your mountain, speak to your mountain. Mark 11, 23 and 24. And so it continues on. It says, prepare the way of the Lord. Every mountain and hill will be brought low. The, the curved places, my translation says, the crooked places shall be made straight. We have crooked ways in our life. We have crooked attitudes about things and crooked tongues and crooked thoughts and we have crooked morals. It's not straight. It's not what God's best is. And what God wants to do is take the dysfunction of our past and the way we think about things and act out about things as we're growing closer to him and he wants to take all of this, this like spaghetti emotional state that you're in and, and make it linear, straighten out all the junk in your life. Why? Because we're rough. That's what it says. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. Anybody else rough besides just your senior pastor? Shame the devil, tell the truth. I can be rough sometimes. I'm so much better than I was. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was, right? We've heard that. As we were working on this building, um, it was getting very close to having occupancy. And like I've mentioned times past, the government hates me. And so we had all kinds of hoops to jump through to, to become uh, qualified to be able to have church in here. And uh, I'm taking a massive trailer full of supplies and building materials and, and FFNE, all that kind of stuff, over here to the church house. Now, it was such a heavy trailer, I didn't want to go on the expressway. So I'm driving this Jeep with this 20-some foot trailer behind me, and I'm going on Leonard, and then I'm turning on Alpine, and I'm going all through that. And, and finally, I get up, you know that big old bridge as you're going over 96, is going underneath, you know what I mean? And, and as you go over there, there's, there's like an entry ramp of people, and, and they need to go to where Toys R Us used to be. But, but what they want to do is go to Starbucks. Anybody trekking with me? Okay. So I'm driving this big old thing, and this guy gets off, and he's not like, here's what you're supposed to do, by the way, driving 101. Speed up! Or slow down, A or B. But he starts doing sign language to the man of God, okay? He starts going, like that. And he's not upset that I'm not slowing. I'm doing the best I can to let him, but he hasn't decided what he wants to do. That's another brand of person that you live by. And so he's doing all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so he tries to zip in front of me just as we get to the light. And so he gets back and he flashes those famous sign language signs, you know. And I had it. I hadn't slept in 24 hours. I was exhausted. We had a baby earlier that other month, and three days later, I'm here building this church out of the old Rite Aid, okay? I'm exhausted. I get out, the guy's behind me, and somebody goes behind him. Your senior pastor gets out of that Jeep, closed the door, start going back to that guy, opened up his door. You said something? No, 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 buddy, I don't want any trouble. Looked like you wanted some trouble? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, we good. I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> Closed his door, went back. I mean, traffic is gone, the light's gone. I'm a senior pastor. 
I don't know what I thought I was going to do to the guy. <laughs> we have a brawl on Alpine Net. What's happening? <laughs> that was years ago. I'm not going to tell you about my other stories. I got to let some years pass on those. Praise God. But anybody else got some rough? Sneak God. You're like, I have no idea he had it in him. He's got it in him. Okay. What's the point of all of this? He says it. He says, crooked places made straight, the rough ways made smooth, so that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So that other people outside of this place can see our imperfect lives in the journey we're on in God, where he's bringing everything, he's reconciling, right? Mountains down, valley. he's taking everything, this is who you are. And the world sees it, and they'll see the salvation of our God. That's why. That's why the journey. Now, I want to I pivot a little bit. Pivot. I told you to remember 400 years, right? Very significant number in the Bible. When Abraham made a covenant, an agreement, a spiritual transaction with God, God spoke to him and said, Be sure, your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land and will be imprisoned as slaves. Question, how long did that take place? 400 years all of a sudden, my man Moses shows up. Let my people go. Come on, Charlton Heston. We need you. All of the demonic gods of Egypt are shown for the farce that they are. Israel is released. They go through their version of baptism, type and shadow, when they went through the Red Sea. The whole nation was baptized. And you saw the most ungodly government get pancaked. And all turned into God's favor. See, this is all about giving enough rope so the devil hangs himself. God has a plan. The devil always overplays his hand. This is going to blow up in his face. I'm telling you, it will. And so, so Abraham is prophesied to him, 400 years captivity. Moses comes in, let my people go. All that happens. You can look at the precedent of 400 years all through Scripture, even that, that time of silence that we already talked about. It, it's pretty significant. Now, in America, is there precedent for 400 years? And I didn't know. And when I saw it, I'm telling you, the gum fell out of my mouth. It was unbelievable. I was like, wow. What was happening 400 years ago? Do you want to know? In November of last year, it was exactly 400 years. You guys remember anything happened in November? 400 years since the Mayflower Compact. The Puritans came to Plymouth Rock. This is the compact that they signed. There's a literal image of it. I'm, I just highlighted two things. Why are we doing this, guys? Why, why are we going into business? Why are we going to have a government? In the name of God, amen. It's for the advancement of the Christian faith. 400 years ago. This was the precursor to what would eventually become the people of the United States of America, the government we have. You see the shift that's happening. If you really believe that you're in the majority, which I do, you're going to see some fireworks happen. Trust me, the shift is happening. But we're too busy chasing the devil because he peed on the sidewalk and he started a little fire over here. No, oh, no, look at this. And we're so swayed by the next thing that the media gives us that the church of Jesus Christ isn't stopping getting into a wilderness spot so we can hear from our God and let God speak to our heart. Say, hey, you go do this. Stop putting out his fires. Start some fires of your own for him to chase. Do you see it? Do you see it? That's what God has called us to do. Huge, huge deal. And so that Mayflower Compact, 
400 years ago. You can now see it biblically and you can see it historically. Hey, bub, you're in it. You're living it out right now. I heard somebody say this last year, so foolish. Well, it's over for America. It's over for America? Because we've got some people at the top that can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag. It's over. That's how fragile we are. That? God forbid America's not over. God made promises all the way back 400 years with good and godly men that we're going to see good things. George Washington had a vision. Many of you weren't taught this because your schools don't like the Lord. He had a vision of three great awakenings in America. Two have happened. The third one is brewing. What needs to happen? The church needs to repent. (laughs) I want the revival, Pastor Joe. Me too. Revival starts in the house of God. We've got to get us right first. I know this kind of sounds like a a, a DTR, you know, meeting with a girlfriend or something to find the relationship, you know, but we got to work on us. We got to get our house in order. We've got to make sure that we're ready for God to send the growth. How did God send the oil to the widow woman way back in the Old Testament? It's for all of the buckets she had, the vessels she had. God's not going to bless us with the anointing of the Holy Spirit when we don't have preparation in place. we got to get us right. We've got to be right with God. And I, I, I see this so clearly. America is not over. Our best days are ahead of us. What you're seeing is the death gurgle of all of it. Mark my words, there will be a revival, and it's going to be led by the men of God, not the chicken lily-livered people up there, limp-wristled, noodle-back, preaching out of the NIV version people. It's going to be the men of God that stand up and say, let's do this. You will see a revival sweep this land, and it's when the church gets this right. When we engage him, when we depend on him, he meets us where we're at. And, and listen, I'm in the same boat as you. I told you. I mean, I, I fell into that thing thinking dude was going to save us. And, and let me just tell you something. Sometimes I want to scream when I see how these people are leading. Go into any elementary school and find a fifth grader, and we could kick butt more than what we're doing right now. It's insane. The cultural shift, I mean, things that are like a no-duh, this is not right to have on TV. You know how hard it is to watch TLC with my kids? Because they just slip in that little narrative, slip in that little line, try to make everything normal. It's not normal. It's not pure. And so God's not done with America. I believe this, and it's still true, that if my people, then I'll heal your land. If my people, if then, right? My people will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek him, right? If, then, I'll heal their land. This is your country. Don't let a loud minority get in your face and try to make you think that the whole world's gone south. But we have ground to take or ground to lose. And so together we have to make the decision. Now, I want to wrap up this narrative about John the Baptist and Luke. 
John the Baptist was asked over and over again, are you the Christ? And people really thought, because he, he preached to 700,000 people live. I don't know if you knew that. It's incredible ministry. The only one greater was Jesus, the Bible says. I mean, he, as far as ministry. I mean, he, he, he's kicking butt and taking names. And so they're asking him, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? This is what happens in Luke 3, same chapter. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, and there is an answer, you ain't Jesus. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Listen to me very carefully. It's all about the salvation, but God, what he's doing in you is so massive. You are not here by mistake. God has given you this word for you in this season for a purpose. God needs a spirit-empowered church. God needs a church that's on fire for God, that doesn't believe who he was alone. It believes that he is, and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that our God is not dead. He's moving today. We have to center ourselves around that. It, that's the shift. It's the church repenting, getting our passion back getting on fire for God and with, with the strength of the Holy Spirit, getting out of these four walls to make a difference in this world, yeah. not huddling up and being like, are you good? I'm good. Let's just stay here. It's nice. We got to do it. And it's the fire of God that will change all of us. Three things so quickly, you might just have to take a picture with your phone. Number one, let's get our hearts right with God. That's the most important thing. Welcome to New Chapel. Pastor Joe's back. What is he telling us to do? Repent. Because it'll change your life. It's the most life-giving thing I could tell you today. Get on fire for God. Repent. Get your heart right. Some of you in the room, you're saved, and your heart's not right. You just, you're just passive with your faith. It's just ho-hum. Have another slice of pie. Have another cup of coffee. you got to repent. Second thing, write this down. Let's re-up our commitment to devotions in church. What are devotions? That's you praying on your own, spending time with God, praying and reading the Bible on your own. I get it. It's been summer. We all needed a break, some time off. It's August. I'm your pastor. I love you. Act right. Well, you're preaching to the choir, Pastor Joe. We're all here. Good. Get the rest of your friends that aren't here. Get them back to the house. Let's be committed to church. We need to be ready for what God wants to bring in during the harvest season of fall. I, I think it's going to be our strongest yet. I know it will be, but it's going to take all of us, all hands on deck. In devotions, spend time with God. Is this the only worship you're getting? Is this the only message that you're getting? There's more. Number three, let's leverage this wild season in history to be a godly influence on the world. Pastor Joe, it's such big problems. I can't change the world. You can change your world. You can show a reasonable person the contrast of what's happening in culture right now and what God's best is and talk to them about very spiritual things. I'm not telling you that it won't get darker in our culture before it gets lighter. In fact, I fully expect it. And so I have some housekeeping. People have asked me, Pastor Joe, we've heard talk about lockdowns again. We've heard talk about masks coming back. Let me make it very clear to you. We will never shut our doors again. It will never happen. 
Well, what about masks? Are you going to make me wear them? I'm your pastor. I'm not your daddy. You decide on your own whether you want to wear a mask. Want my opinion on it? I'll just give it to you because I, I guess I'm just kind of there right now. That don't work. Is that medical advice? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you want to wear it, though? God bless you. I'm not your dad. I'm your pastor. We're never closing our doors. Will we do a drive-in again? I have no idea. It depends what happens in culture. But I'll tell you this. I'm never going to close my doors because we want people to come as they are. Mask or no mask, rich, poor. Give me your labored, your heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give them rest. And so there's your housekeeping. Take it to the bank. We're never closing our doors again. And Zuckerberg, you can't algorithm my way out of this. I'm telling everybody direct. But I'm going to tell you something. They already have, so you better bring somebody with you next week. I believe that God has called us to be a church in the wild, not running from it because it's scary. Put your big boy pants on. Trust Jesus. Let's take on hell with a squirt gun. There's so much more I want to tell you until next week. Heads bowed, eyes closed all over this room. God, I love you. Father, in the name of Jesus, there's people in the sound of my voice. And God, you've already ministered to them an area that they've got to get right with you. There's some people in the room that need to repent. Some people have a heart thing that's just, their heart's not in it, or they have even, a, their heart's off, it's evil. They're thinking about crazy things, thinking about taking risks that they know are going to blow up in their face. There's people that need to get their heart right today. God, there's people that are doing actions that they know are shooting themselves in the foot, and they need to repent. There's people that are called to jump into this thing, both feet, use their gifts and talents to serve God. Lord, you're, you're working on hearts today. Church, listen to me with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you want Christianity in a nutshell, just say yes to Jesus right now in your heart. Whatever he's asking you to do, yes. I'm in. Just say yes. He's not looking for proof. He's not looking for, 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 for jumping jacks. The Lord weighs the hearts. All over this room, God's making it right. I'm so ashamed of what I did, Pastor Joe. You know, Jesus took your shame. You don't even have the right to it. You had to leave this place happy. I feel that God's healing hearts in here. There's people that have been holding grudges and anger. The Bible says that when you do that, you're committing murder against people in your own heart got to let it go. God's healing your heart right now, but you got to take the step. He'll fill the gap in your heart to say, yes, God, yes, whatever you say. Hallelujah. God, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in the sound of my voice, maybe watching online, you don't know God. The only way is through his only son, Jesus. When, when you make peace with Jesus, the Bible says you'll be born again. How do I do it, man? You, just, you confess your sin, believe that God raised him from the dead. You side with heaven, and you're born again from the inside out. I'm going to lead you in a prayer as we do that. If you say it just like it's magic words, all you're doing is fantasia. <laughs> but if you mean it in your heart, you'll be saved. There's other people in here, I know this, you need to rededicate. 
And some of you might have done it even last week, but you know you need to re-up that commitment to God today. If either one of those are true, if you need to get born again today or if you're a person that you need to rededicate today, nobody looking around, just please, if that's you, slip your hand up right now. Go, go all over the room. Great, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? You can put your hand down, thank you. Anybody else? Proud of you. I got you. Now, with sincerity, out of your heart, I want you to repeat this after me. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hey, louder than that, from death to life. Come on, somebody. Now listen, if, if you prayed that prayer, the reason why we go buck wild is because we know the difference it made in our life and that you're going to taste the freedom that we have. And so listen, we need you to connect with us. I need you to take a bold step. No, I'm not going to call you down to the front, but just like people that are here for the first time that are either filling out connection cards or going online to newchapel.com and hitting connect with us, I need you to fill that out and let us know that you accepted Christ. I'm going to send you a note talking about next steps in your faith. God has huge things for you, and together we'll make a difference in Grand Rapids. One more time, church. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hey, stand up on your feet. Hey, y'all get anything out of this message? That, that bless you. I just kind of on fire when I came back. I'm excited. Y'all let me go a little bit more often. That was good. Okay. Hey, after church today, we're having New Chapel Connect, and if you're kind of Wondering about New Chapel, wondering if this is your church home, want more information about who we are, today's your day. It's called Partnership One. It's the first part of New Chapel Connect. I'm going to be there. You'll hear a teaching from me where we'll walk you through who we are and how we can partner with you and your family to make a difference uh, for, for Jesus in our lives, but for Jesus in our community. And then the next week of New Chapel Connect, there's only two weeks to it. That is next week after the 11 o'clock service. We'll be talking about plugging in, engaging with the vision that God has here. If you've never gone to New Chapel Connect, please hang out with us. We have lunch for you. I think it's Jimmy John's, Coke's, Waters, and Joe Escarino's back there. And whatever's left over, he has to eat all of them because we don't waste. And so do the guy a favor and, uh, and hang out with us after church. Y'all excited that Kai and I are back? Is that, is that cool? I love it. Dave, what up? Hey, all we talk about is you guys. We love you. We pray for you. We walk our house praying for you. And Honestly, it's so good to be back in the saddle. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, for real. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. 
And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.